The presenting sponsor of this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Subaru. One thing I just learned that I thought was very cool is Subaru is donating 50 million meals to help feed people in need during the COVID-19 crisis. They know this pandemic is devastating our country and has left hundreds of thousands out of work and unable to feed themselves or their families. Through the Subaru Love Promise, a commitment to support their communities, Subaru and their retailers across the country are making a donation to provide 50 million meals to Feeding America. This action, called Subaru Loves to Help, will make meals available at 199 local food banks across the country. In addition, Subaru retailers will be doing other things to help these local food banks, including food deliveries, donations, and volunteer events. Subaru knows their ongoing support will be necessary as local communities work to get back on their feet. Subaru loves to help. Just one part of the Subaru love promise. One more reason that makes Subaru more than a car company. What's going through your mind when you're in the middle of a race? You know, it, It's very different. It, it really depends on your mental state going in and, and what you're looking for. You know, why are you doing it? Uh, what's the importance of this race? Is it? Are you just running for yourself? Are you running for a brand? Are you running for your country? You know, so it, it depends on the, the race. I've come into so many different races with different mindsets. You know, some races it's about you're going out there to go to the well. Like you're trying to see what you can do or you're chasing a time and that's the main focus. Or, you know, there's other races where like, say the world championship, world mountain running championship, you're running for your country and there's a lot of pride with that. You got the U.S. flag on your chest. You know, your brands are looking at you. They're looking for you to do something well. You know, you have goals that you're looking for. So it it all depends on what you're looking for. But, you know, I think anyone can enjoy it though, because at at the, the purest level, we're all explorers. You know, I always called myself like Curious George when I was coming up. That's kind of why I love trail running is like, I've technically been a trail runner like for years. You know, I used to always go in the woods looking As looking kid. for trails, yeah, trying to see where stuff went and trying to find random stuff. That, you know, oh, let me see where this forest goes and I want to find the edge of it. And so, um, you know, it's something that I've always done. And I think everyone can enjoy that, that, that facet of like exploration. Just like professional runner Joe Gray, all of us have an explorer inside of us. A little voice that wants to climb that hill to see what's beyond it, or a louder voice that actually convinces us to go on some pretty wild adventures. But not everyone has the same opportunity to be an explorer. It's something Joe Gray has seen at the starting line of almost every trail, mountain, or snowshoe race he's run in his career. Joe's often the only black athlete competing, and that's something he'd really like to change. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Joe Gray is the first black person to make the Team USA World Mountain Running Team, as well as the first black American to win the USA National Mountain Running Championships. In 2016 and in 2019, Joe won the World Mountain Running Championships. Total, he's won 18 US National Championships and he's represented the USA 31 times in international races. But even with all this success, Joe's often frustrated by his sport. The lack of diversity, not only in pro running, but also in the media coverage and sponsorship opportunities, that's something he knows is keeping young black kids from wanting to pursue the kind of running he does. That's why he's doing something about it. 
before we get into how Joe's making an impact, let's go back to Joe's upbringing, where he spent time in Germany as an army brat and growing up in Tacoma, Washington. Just note, we recorded this episode back in January of 2020 at the Outdoor Retailer Expo in Denver. That was back when gathering and hugging and being around people was still normal. Times have changed, and in light of the recent events, Joe's story feels more important than ever. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. It sounds like you grew up in Germany, where you really got to explore some amazing forests. And then you grew up in Tacoma. Talk to me about those experiences and how they're different and how you found running so early. So... I I was born in the U.S. My dad was a uh, military. So around the time when uh, Desert Storm was going on, they forwarded a lot of the families over to Germany while the, the fathers went towards the Middle East and had to do what they had to do. So kept the families closer than they would have been. But, yeah, we, we got the opportunity to go to Germany for a few years. And I was in elementary school, you know, in my first few years of elementary school there. And um, it was awesome, like, the school system in Germany is crazy cool like a lot of hands-on stuff we learned a lot about like chocolate milk we went to farms we went and learned about animals in the zoo like hands-on like really cool stuff and then um, you know on top of that you're learning a new language kids are speaking German it's like really intriguing and people are probably from all different nationalities yeah on the military base you'll see everything you know you'll see people Mexican-American, Asian-American, you see all kind of stuff. You know, kids speaking other languages outside of just English and German on the base. Uh, when you go off the base, obviously, you're going to hear mostly German. But a lot of Germans speak English, too, really, especially where we were. When you were in Germany, you used to run around, you said. Oh, yeah, we used to play Manhunt. Like, I don't know if you remember that game. But it's kind of like a, a team version of hide-and-seek. So, like, me and you would be on a team, and... We go, and then the other team lets us go hide, and they have to come find us. And we have to try to get back to a base to where we're safe. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we used to do it in the woods all the time. I mean, we would do it in the in the urban areas as well sometimes in Germany. But, like, yeah, we did that in the woods a lot of times, and it was super fun. We, you know, you had to be fast. Like, you, you wanted to be the person everybody wanted on their team. It was So it was a good thing to be a good athlete. So that was you? Yeah, Nice. Definitely. I, I probably wasn't the fastest one. I'm sure there were, I mean, there's a ton of kids. Super, you know, just t- at that level, when you're little kids, talent really shows. So when did you move to Tacoma? How old were you? Uh, I think it was fourth grade. When you moved to Tacoma, did you still run? I wasn't a runner, though, in Germany. I, we, you know, basketball was my, my main sport. I didn't start running until middle school. That's kind of when I got introduced to the sport. So you um, did cross country or track? Track. Track. What was your distance? Um, I did, you know, at that point you're doing like the 800 in the mile. Um, we didn't have cross country. I mean, there is cross country now at the middle school level, depending on where you are. Probably even where I grew up, I bet you there is. So when did you start competitively like running for real? Um, That didn't take off until... I would say that's a mindset too, like where you start to take it more serious and, you know, you're really involved with the sport and you're concerned with it and, and it encompasses your mind and and your choices and decisions in life. I would say that after I lost my first race, I was winning everything and then this guy just spanked me and then it changed everything because then it was, it was different than losing in basketball per se. You know, like in basketball, you can blame it on somebody, but with running, 
it was like I lost that race and it was like, oh man, it just felt different than, than anything I had experienced. And I was like, oh man, I just lost. And it's embarrassing. You know, you almost, you feel like everyone's looking at you, like looking down at you or jeering at you or something. And um, it was tough, you know, that first time and it, it, it did change me. How did it change you? Just Start training? more serious, you know, like I, I never really ran. I was just playing basketball all the time and just showing up on race day and, you know, doing a little bit of training here and there and uh, never on the weekends, no running. And so um, I started to take that more serious, running more, you know, running probably five days a week and just really thinking about running and starting to wonder like, oh, it's the Olympics. What's the world championship? You know, you can represent your country. You can go to college with this. You know, that was stuff that we had no idea. Like we didn't realize like you could get a scholarship for running. You know, this is stuff I was thinking about in middle school. That's pretty fantastic that you were thinking about that in middle school because a lot of kids at middle school age aren't thinking about that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm competitive. I like, I wanted the best grades. I wanted to beat you at every sport. Video game, I wanted to be the best with video games. So, you know, then I was, you know, my, nobody in my family had went to college. And so it was a big deal for me to, you know, try to put myself in a position where I could go to college. Joe was recruited by Oklahoma State, where he majored in criminology and decided he wanted to go into the anti-doping world. But he was also running competitively, and he said being a professional athlete and working in anti-doping didn't really go hand in hand. In his running career at college, Joe's event was the steeplechase. It's a really fun and hard event, a 3,000-meter race where you have to jump over barriers and go through a water pit. That event taught Joe technical skills like how to adapt to different terrains, how to change pace, and other lessons that apply to trail running. So then how did you get into professional running? Um, Professional running is interesting. So there's a lot of people who I think have a misunderstanding of what professional athletics is when it comes to our sport. There's a lot of people who think, oh, you know, you get sponsored, you get gear from someone or something like that, and you're, you're a professional. For me, I feel like I wasn't professional, you know, my first year after um, competing in college. When, when your eligibility is up in college, you can go pro. You're not on scholarship anymore at that point. You're done with your degrees. But I actually, I was in grad school, actually. So I actually got my, my bachelor's and I was halfway through my master's when I finished eligibility. So that was my first year post-collegially. I wouldn't say I was running professionally, even though I had sponsorships, because I don't think I was pursuing the American dream. Like I wasn't really saving enough money to be like, to pay a mortgage or to have a car and all, you know, all this type of stuff. And so I would say probably 2008 or nine is kind of when I started to get more, you know, more money and winning more money and getting sponsorships to where, okay, we can save money now. We can, you know, invest and do things like that. So you're like making a living as a runner. Yeah. So can we back up and can you explain what kind of running you do? Because you're a different professional runner. You're not like a professional road racer where you go to marathons every weekend, which I think is the most common form of running most people know about. Or like track running where we see like Usain Bolt like right, crushing it. Right, right, What kind of running do you do? I pride myself on diversity, being able to, to jump in between different types of racing. And um, so I do it all, you know, like um, trail, mountain, sky running, ultra running road, cross country, track, snowshoe, you know, I I like to do it all. I just love competing. I love the sport. Um, I love the community that's surrounded by the sport. So, so how did you end up becoming professional? Like did companies pursue you? Did you pursue them? 
It goes both ways. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you get certain results, sometimes companies will come after you or maybe you fit the bill. Maybe there's something they're looking for in an athlete specifically. Or, um, you know, a lot of times I would say probably 75% of the time it was me going after the brands. I found a brand that I really like, brand that I feel like could really help me perform and be at my best. Can you tell us what sky running is and mountain running? There's a couple of disciplines you talked about that I don't think a lot of people know about. And there is confusion amongst that too. Like okay. there's a lot of people that have different definitions of it. A lot of it is in terms of sky and mountain, the differences is branding a lot of times, but in my opinion, sky running is usually going to be, or initially it was like high altitude competing, like over 2000 meter type stuff. Mountain running to me is just more steeper terrain. Trail running is less steep, almost like a hybrid form of cross country. So you do it all. You do ultras, you do mountain, you do snow. How do you decide which events you want to do? Uh, sometimes it's random, but then there's a lot of classic races out there that it draws in really good competition. You want to race some good guys, or it's just historic, has a lot of history, and you want to be a part of it and see where you where you stand. What's the most memorable race recently? Uh, probably the World Championships for me. Was it Mountain World Championships? Yeah, okay. yeah the, the World Mountain Running Championship last year. Where was it? It was in Argentina. Cool. In, um, and you're representing the United States on the world team. Right. And uh, it was a magical moment for me specifically because I won in 2016 and then in, um, I lost. I've lost. You know, that's the thing is, too. <laughs> I try to tell even younger kids, if running's something that you're going to do as a job, you're going to lose a lot. Like You're going to probably lose more than you win a lot of times uh, until you get to a certain level then maybe you're winning more than you're losing. But... When it comes to the world championships, I've lost a lot of times there, a lot of learning. But to come back and win this year after I had a big injury, I was kind of off coming into the beginning of last year and just low, like depressed. And if you asked me about could I represent my country again, I was like, it was just something that I wasn't thinking about. I was thinking about not even running anymore. And um, to come from that hole and then to win a championship and to lead Team USA to a silver medal, like it was very special very special. And then, you know, I, I wanted it to rain for the race day. I was like, I need it to be sloppy to give me a better chance. And we wake up and it's just like nasty. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I needed this. And so it was, it was magical in a lot of ways. So you thrive when it's a little bit nastier, a little bit grittier. I think so. You know, I'm probably just weird. I like bad conditions, whether it's hot, super hot. Like so, I need something to, it, to be tough to where there's a mental aspect that if you're not about that life, you're not ready to compete. You don't want to be on the start line. Like I want to be there. What's the, what's the race? Like, so for the mountain championships, what's the, what's the mileage or distance? So the classic world mountain championship, it's the one that's been around for many years. It's usually between like 10 and 10 and 15, 10 and 16 K. 10 and 16 K. And yeah, it's somewhere at there. elevation of. It can be, I've had some where it started pretty high and some where it started sea level. What's a typical day like for you? Uh, you know, in the morning, it depends. If you're doubling, it depends on the time of the year. There's some, some days where you're doubling, you're running twice a day. Um, usually you're running in the morning. You might have one in the evening time. I like to change it up. I don't like to run twice every day. I don't like to run every day. You know, I take some time off, make sure I'm resting and stuff. So it just depends on 
what's coming up. So you specifically, you're like at the most elite level when it comes to this sport, which is so cool. And I can, I can see you, like you look fit, you, you, you've got the mindset, I can hear it in your voice and you love it. Any tricks or tips? Trying to make me blush, huh? Well, any rituals you do before a race? Well, I can just tell, I can tell when I'm talking to a good athlete, like it just, I can feel it. I can sense it. And you've got that, you've got that about you. I appreciate you got that. got whole air. So, so any tricks or tips or rituals you do before a race? So me, I, I, prayer is a big thing for me, you know, but I'm not asking for anything when I pray. I'm usually like thanking for the opportunity and, and, and just being thankful for the opportunity because I don't, you know, my belief is that no matter who you believe in, you know, I believe in God. I don't think God is going to give you anything. He already gave you everything that you have and you are supposed to use those gifts accordingly. So I'm thankful for those gifts and the opportunity to be where I'm at on that start line. And so I always make sure I pray in terms of giving thanks before races. That's so interesting because I've been learning a lot about gratitude. And they say that when we're in gratitude, our cells are so much more able to do the things that we need them to do. You're able to heal really fast. You're able to recover really fast. You're able to focus really fast. Synchronicities happen. And so that's really interesting that you start your race with gratitude. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think now I've been a pro for a long time. Like I look at my career, a lot of guys that came in the sport with me that aren't here. And I, and I realize like longevity in the sport, consistency in the sport and um, being given these opportunities consistently over years. That's a huge gift. Like I could be doing something totally different. I could be dead. I could be in jail. There's a lot of other options based on what I was doing in my life earlier. Like this is a huge gift, blessing. What do you mean what you were doing in your life earlier where you could have gone another way? Just, I was, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd. I was doing a lot of bad stuff. You in know? Tacoma. Growing yeah, up. definitely Tacoma. I mean, even kind of in Germany, too. I mean, you know, when kids are bored and, you know, when you get a bunch of kids together and uh, they, they can make bad decisions. How do you think you didn't go a different way? I really feel like sports is a huge factor. Like I said, I'm really competitive, so wanting to be competitive at non-conventional things and crime and things like that didn't seem as intriguing anymore when you're an athlete and you're good at a sport and it's like, oh, I can do something really cool in my life. You know, I'm not going to be at McDonald's or selling drugs or something like that. Like I could make good money, go to college, you know, and then, you know, you're, you're at that age, you're girl crazy, you know, so being good at sports helps. There's a lot of different things and incentives that kind of push you away from a negative lifestyle. And, you know, back when I was younger, like women was a thing. Like they didn't want the guys per se who were just like bad. Like it got to a point where the bad guys did get a lot of attention when we were young. But then when you got older, it's like, you know, women like my wife, like she wasn't into that. Like, what? Who are you hanging out with? You're doing that? Like, nah, she's not going to give you any time of day. And, And she didn't. Like I tried to get with her hardcore in high school. It wasn't happening. Wow, you've known your wife since high school? Yeah, I know. I met her when I was 17, so. Tell me about your wife and what she does and how she helps you in oh, your running. Oh, man, she's, I was having a conversation with uh, some good friends last night and just about how I'm so thankful for a woman like her because, you know, she's allowed me to grow up, mature. She's been there. She's been my friend when I needed her to be my friend. I could lean on her and she could help me get out of that hole and, She's just a good person. Does she run with you ever? We have run together, but like, she's not so much into it now because 
she's been pregnant for the last few years, but, uh, <laughs> or pregnant or breastfeeding and just not feeling like running. How many kids do you have? We, we have another one coming here wow, soon. Wow, congratulations. So it'll be, that'll be second. But yeah, she, we, you know, we had our anniversary race that we've been doing for a few years, but we haven't done it because. What do you mean <laughs> anniversary race? We race, we have a race where we race each other around our anniversary. That's really cute. I like couples who race together. Yeah. Joe's a talented runner and he's passionate about his sport. But the world of trail running, it's not perfect. The lack of diversity is something that's always bothered Joe. He's not the kind of person who would just ignore it and keep running though. Joe is doing something about it. When we come back, hear about how Joe is tackling the problem and what you can do to help. This episode is brought to you by Hoka One One. Hoka produces premium performance footwear for athletes of all types. Born in the mountains, Hoka shoes were initially distinguished by their oversized midsoles. Today, they're designed with the same enhanced cushioning, inherent stability, and problem-solving inspiration to meet the running, walking, fitness, and outdoor needs of a wide variety of users. With a bold and often unexpected approach, Hoka empowers athletes of all levels to feel like they can fly. Shop their lightweight cushion trail shoes at your local REI or at REI.com. And follow at Hoka One One on Instagram to see how athletes like you are using Hoka to meet their goals and find joy in movement. It's time to fly. When Joe was younger and became passionate about running, he noticed there weren't a lot of people of color being represented. Not in the magazines, not in the coverage of races, not in the advertisements for gear. Now that he's a professional runner and he has his own platform, Joe wants to use his voice to encourage young runners of color to get out there. That's why Joe started Project Inspire Diversity. A recent article came out about you, about how you wanted to tackle running's lack of diversity. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, so specifically is talking about, you know, the outdoor type stuff, like the trail mountain running type stuff because you know all my career I mean you look at photos podiums or start lines I'm like the only black dude out there and um nine times out of ten it's no problem you know everybody's usually especially in the mountain running community you don't see a lot of racist people you know no one's yelling out racist things or anything like that but the problem that I'm the reason I'm basically bringing it up is because it hurts minorities and black people when it comes to sponsorships and stuff. I'm not the only black athlete that's doing well in the sport. You know, I'm probably one of the better American, just color not involved, but I've had to do a lot to get with maybe athletes who are lesser than me, who are white. They can get different sponsorships and things like that because the media covers those athletes. The models, they're all white. The articles are white. Everything's very white. Um, predominantly white. The sport is predominantly white. So it's, to some degree, it makes sense. But I want to change that because I feel like America's a melting pot. You don't see just white when you walk around our country. And so I want to change that outlook, especially with the media, so that other athletes get opportunities to extend their career and get opportunities to race and, and explore the world and be and be connected to brands and, and do great things for their community and 
you know, make the black community even healthier and more open to outdoors. So what do you think was the biggest cause of lack of diversity in the running community, specifically the outdoor running community? I, I do blame the media a lot for it um, because you don't get to see people that look like you. You're not covering people who look like, you know, like me. Do you think it's changing? It is. I, I you know, what's crazy is I brought this issue up a couple of years ago after I brought it up and it was public. A lot of different companies and people were DMing me, emailing me, asking me what they could do. And that was like just a blessing to see that, that people cared and not even just black people. It was like it was white people. They wanted to do something. They they saw the need for it. And I felt like it's beautiful. I wish I could share those messages because especially right now in our country, we're so divided. How, especially, you know, when you look at politics, politics have really divided our country. It's making people paranoid. We look at each other differently now, you know? And so it, it was cool. And I've shared this with some of my other friends, but it's like, as a black athlete, you start to be more paranoid. Like, oh, why didn't I get this deal or that deal? Or why didn't they cover me for this or that? And it's like, you, and now you start to wonder because we're so divided racially that, oh, is it because I'm black? And so to see that there's a lot of people on the other side of the fence who really support what you're doing and, and do see it as an issue was great for me to see. What companies are doing well today in addressing the lack, the diversity problem? I think Hoka, and I'm not even being biased. I mean, I know some people are going to be like, oh, he runs for Hoka, of course. I actually interviewed a Hoka runner that's African-American, Latoya Shante Snell. Yep, I know. She's yep. awesome. Latoya's cool. Yeah, she's cool people. I like Latoya. So Hoka's doing really good. Anybody else? Any race, community, it's like websites, media? Um, you know, I, I don't like to speak out of my butt, you know, and, and just say something just for the sake of saying it. So it's not something that I've researched a ton yet. It's, it is something that I do plan to, like, review and see if things are changing. Because I was saying how, you know, I think the trail runner did just put a a black athlete on the cover, which was really cool. And I know him and he, he's actually a great dude too. But, um, I mean, Hoka's, I can speak about Hoka because I, I see it, you know, even from a neutral perspective, you know, they have people of color, Mexicans, they have, you know, Asians, they have blacks. It's like, they, it's, it's a colorful group. We just got, went to the athlete summit. And it was like, man, there's a lot of diversity here, but there's other companies you go to their summit. It's like, they clearly didn't get the message and they don't care. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing some stuff to change that. So tell us a little bit about Project Inspire Diversity. Yeah. So this, this kind of rooted from, you know, my childhood, like me getting into a sport, somebody gave me some shoes and I remember the motivation that it gave me and I was so excited. I, I couldn't sleep. I was like, oh, I can't wait to run in these. I had them on walking in the house. I'm just like jazz out about it because my parents never bought me anything like that. You know what I mean? And not that they wouldn't have. My parents, if you're doing something positive, they, they'll get it for you. They weren't, you know, not the richest people in the world. But if you're, you're doing good in school, they'll make sure that they're supporting you. And my parents have always been good about that. I get this because my, my fiance talks about the time his middle school coach gave him a soccer ball or he, he actually had to collect cans at school. And the person who collected the most Campbell's soup cans was a soccer <laughs> ball and he slept with it. So you had running shoes and it, it transformed it, you. It just motivated me yeah. so much. And um, with, you know, the Project Inspire Diversity and with the issues that I'm raising right now, I wanted to be able to get my sponsors behind me and see if they'd be willing to give product uh, as I pick, you know, basically handpick. I asked the community to send me names and things like that. and um, Send you names of? 
you know, black athletes, young black athletes who are in, in, in the sport, distance runners, who maybe one day may go into trail running or something like that. But just to keep them motivated in, in a sport that is, there's not a lot of athletes that look like them. Um, it's tough. And, you know, I know how it was for me coming up. I didn't have anybody look like me. You know, um, I looked to a lot of other athletes outside of my sport to motivate me. You know, the late, you know, Kobe Bryant, who we just lost, you know, it was very sad for me because like Kobe was one of those guys who definitely motivated me to like have that tenacity and that work ethic when I was young. And just like, even though he was a basketball player, he inspired me in mountain and track and stuff like that and distance running. And so, you know, with this project, just to, I want to be that guy to give these kids something to help them stay in the sport motivated. And, you know, at the end of it, when I've met uh, the last kid and even the kids before that, it's like, I let them know, you know, if you have questions, struggling with something, I've been there. I know what it's like. If it's something I can help you with, you know, reach out to me. You know, I want to be of assistance to people. When exactly did you start it? What year? So the first kids that I started giving stuff was in 2019. So this was recently. What yeah. are some stories that have come from it? Um, just the follow-up emails, you know, um, just getting messages from the kids and them telling me how they felt about it and like what I mean to them or, you know, how I'm inspiring them, like hearing them tell me something candid about like what it meant for them. That was huge. That's all I needed to see. Just an I want to know that it helped because I know that it's going to sprout and they're going to help other people. How do you want to see this organization grow? You know, for me, I'm a big believer in not being, I don't want to make it such a big thing to where it's about me. Like what I want to see is that the, it helps people individually and then that they pass, you know, they pass it forward. They, they do something for others. I want to just keep helping kids and, and helping them stay on the sport and, see them grow and see something positive come out of it for them and see them make national teams in, in, in mountain running. You know, I think I was the first um, black American to ever make the mountain team and the first to win a world championship uh, mountain running. And Good so I hope to inspire other black Americans to get into a sport like this. And then, it, you know, have our sport look like a melting pot in our country, like our country looks like. That would be dope to me. Like, I'll be really happy to see something like that. How can other people support you and find out more about this? Because I'm sure there's people listening who are like, I want to be part of that or I want to get some shoes to those guys. Yeah, it's small right now. You know, obviously it's just like, it's very grassroots, very individual. I just, the, the biggest way they could help out is, you know, when I reach out to the community and if they see a post from me and I'm reaching out, if they want to give anything to the kids, if they want to help out in any way, or if I'm asking for funding, to provide something for a kid. So is there a website or is it your yeah, Instagram? It, yeah, okay. my Instagram is usually where I, and my Facebook page, facebook.com slash journey of Joe Jeezy. Journey of Joe Jeezy? Yeah, so Joe Jeezy is my handle for Twitter and Instagram. So J-O-E-G-E-E-Z-I. You've been able to make a career doing what you love, which is really hard. And when I started this podcast, I started it because I wanted people to pursue whatever wild idea they had there were so many times in my life I felt stuck. Obviously, a wild idea of becoming a professional mountain athlete, one of the only black athletes to do this. Any advice to other people who want to make a living kind of doing what they love and don't want to feel stuck? As simple, like what you just said, like if you love something, don't take no for an answer and like stay driven and motivated to accomplish that. Get good at it. 
you know, perfect your craft. I love that Joe is doing something to make a change in his sport. By encouraging other athletes of color and giving them resources and support, hopefully we'll see more diverse starting lines in the future. Of course, I wanted to finish this conversation with a wild round. So I asked Joe about all sorts of things like the music he listens to to get pumped up for a race and what's it like being a dad? What's the song that you really love listening to pre-race? Ooh. Man, I got a couple. So it depends on my mindset, but like, I like Miguel. I like Drake. I like Kendrick Lamar. I like Ty Dolla Sign. Earth, Wind & Fire. Or Gap Band, too. So, I, yeah, I like those. I like it. Favorite go-to trail snack? Uh, Fuel 100 Electrobites. What flavor? Ooh. I like, I you know what? I like a couple different ones of that, but... Ah, the ginger, that's probably, I'm really digging that one right now. The ginger. Yeah. What shoes do you run in most for Hoka? Right now, I would say my favorite has probably been either the Evo Mafate or Kavu. The Kavu or the what? Evo Mafate. I never heard of that one. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, well, probably not where you live is, I mean, it's, it's well no yeah you guys got some rugged stuff out there too so it's it's good for like rugged terrain it's a really good shoe where's your favorite place to go to for training and nutrition tips hmm when it comes to nutrition tips you know i like to do trial and error i'm a big believer in that trying something and see if it works for you what's working well for you right now in terms of like how you eat and how you train eat what i crave i've found i've found that to be really good for me. You know, you, when I look at my blood values, if I'm trying to stick to a certain diet, I feel like I'm depleted in some things. Um, but when I just eat what I want, it's like your body usually tells you what you want. And I eat everything. I'm not like a vegan or I love meat. I love cheese. And you're one of the fastest runners in the world. So this is really great to hear. Yeah. But I think, I think red meat's a great thing to have. I mean, it's the best way to get your iron, your ferritin levels up real quick. It's got fat already there to help stabilize it. So how about you rest know. and sleep? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, in terms, I think it's important. Yeah. But do you like try to get nine hours a day or eight hours a day? Uh, you know, what you'll notice about me, I'm not very like strict on things. I feel like it's just too much stress in life to always be like, I need to have this and I need to have that. And I got to eat this when I'm here. And then, you know, I just, I go with the flow. You know, there's some days where my son wakes up and he wants to play and it's early. And it's, well, you know, I guess I'm up and we're hanging out. And there's some days he might sleep in and I might sleep in and we'll just go with the flow. What's the funniest thing your kids recently said? I just made you laugh. The most recent thing. So he's getting at that age now where they could eat a lot. And uh, I used to, you know, I'll share my gummies with him on occasion. And he, uh, I gave him some and I'm thinking, oh, he'll be done. You know, I gave him, I had just fed him and something. Oh, he's not going to want any more. And he says, more, more. And he's, you know, doing this little sign language thing. And I'm like, I was like, no, no, you can't anymore. And he said, why? And I was like, what? Because, you know, he never said why. It's like, he, so they're stu- you know, when they're at this age, they have new words. And he said, why? And I'm like, it's interesting that he could understand to ask a question when we don't ask him questions like that that often, you know, at this age. If I tell him to do something, I'm not like, and he says, no, I don't say why. No, you're going to do it because I told you to do it. You know what I mean? And so 
um, it's interesting that he learns. They just pick up stuff that it's like they watch you talking to each other. And so, yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. Representation matters everywhere. Young athletes need role models that look like them. They need to know that their dreams can come true, that if they strive for excellence, they can achieve it. By not being the only black person running in these races, but also by using his connections and his voice to encourage runners who can identify with him, Joe's leading us toward a more inclusive world where the challenges and successes of professional sports are accessible to everyone. We can also all do our part to help Joe make this more of a reality. Thank you so much to Joe Gray for sitting down with me at the Outdoor Retailer Show in Denver, for talking with me, and for pursuing this wild idea to make the running world a more diverse place. You can follow Joe's upcoming events and you can get involved in Project Inspire Diversity by following Joe on his Instagram account at Joe Jeezy. That's at J-O-E-G-E-E-Z-I. Thank you to Joe's sponsor, Hoka One One, for setting up our interview and to the Outdoor Retailer Show in Denver for letting us use your podcast room. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor is Subaru. Tune in week after next. We'll talk to pro cyclist Amber Pierce about how she's encouraging young female athletes. As always, we appreciate when you subscribe to this show, when you rate it, and when you review it wherever you're listening. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. 